Hello, and welcome to the podcast for Neighborhood Church. This message, titled Embrace His Mercy, was given by Larry Volk and was the sixth in our series, Pray This Way. All right, good morning again, church. Find your outline in your bulletin there, and let's open our Bibles again to the book of Matthew, please. Matthew chapter 6. We're working our way through the Lord's Prayer, and we're in a series we've called Pray This Way. This is the way Jesus wants us to pray, and we're learning about what it means to pray the way Jesus taught. He taught his disciples how to pray, not what to pray, but how to pray. This is a grid. It's a template. It's it's a way for us to frame the kinds of prayers that we should be praying. And this prayer really starts off with a focus on God. There are six petitions in this prayer. The first three are all vertical. They all are up to the Lord. His, uh, his name, his kingdom, his will being done on earth as it is in heaven. It's a focus on God. That's where prayer begins. It begins with worship. It begins with desiring his kingdom, his ways, his agenda in our lives. Then we come to our personal needs. And Jesus reminded us that our personal needs begin with our daily bread and summing up this whole point of all the needs that we have in life on the basis of our daily bread. It's okay to come to the Lord with our needs, and that's a beautiful invitation from the Lord. Today we come to the fifth petition of this prayer, and I have to believe that this may be the toughest one of all. It's as if Jesus wants us to come face to face with some of the most difficult issues in our life when we come to this petition. So why don't we just begin our time by praying the Lord's Prayer. You can follow right along in your scripture there. And let's let's listen to what the Lord wants us to learn about today. Let's pray it together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Well, the fifth petition we're looking at there in verse 12. Forgive us our debts. Today is all about forgiveness. I shudder to think how many times I have prayed this prayer as a total hypocrite. To ask God to forgive my debts insinuating that I have forgiven all my debtors. Did you get it? Forgive me my debts. Forgive us our debts as we have also, as in proportion to. This is a difficult petition. Now, some of us would rather just leave this petition out of the prayer maybe, or at least that second half of the petition. But we can't omit it. We need to embrace it. Now, this isn't easy for our culture either. There's something going on in our culture for the last several years, and what I mean by that is there's a shift underway that seeks to replace the concept of forgiveness with the idea or the concept of tolerance. Are you following? In other words, the cultural powerhouses of our day are basically convincing people that there's really no need for forgiveness because there's really no, th- no such thing as sin. Nobody's sinners. If you ever call somebody a sinner, it's, it's you know you might get into a lawsuit of some sort. There's no such thing as sin, they tell us. There's no such thing as, as needing forgiveness. So if you've been wronged or if you've wronged somebody, what you need to learn to do is be tolerant. Tolerant 
isn't anywhere close to the biblical concept of forgiveness. Let me be very clear at the top of this message. Forgiveness is a beautiful concept. It's a beautiful word. It's God's word. It's an amazing part of this petition. And we are called to understand it, to ask for it, to give it to others as much and as often as is needed. So if you're taking notes, here's the big takeaway from the petition we're about to learn in verse 12. We all need forgiveness and we all need to forgive others. Say that with me. We all need forgiveness and we all need to forgive others. One more time. We all need forgiveness and we all need to forgive others. We owe something to everybody, including God. And when we learn that, when we really understand that, we are well on our way to what this petition is about. Now, I have a feeling that some of us are a little fuzzy about this idea of forgiveness and what it really means. And so I'm going to do my best today to help us frame this petition in a way that might give us an understanding about how we should be praying and the attitude that we come to the Lord when it comes to forgiveness issues, okay? So if you're taking notes, I want to show you five things I think this petition has in view. Number one, there's a cue in view. Would you say that? There's a cue in view. What I mean by this is that when we pray this way, we're instantly reminded of the core issue of the gospel and our experience with it. The important point of this prayer is not that we're praying in the way we prayed when we were converted, but it's a reminder of our conversion. When Jesus said, pray this way, our Father who art in heaven, and the prayer goes on, forgive us our debts. Jesus isn't suggesting there that every time we pray, we should be converting again to him. But this, this prayer, this petition, puts us into a queue where we remember that we have been forgiven. Remember, Jesus is teaching his disciples, and they wouldn't need to pray every time for God to forgive all their sins. There's something else in view here. This is not the conversion prayer. This is simply a cleansing prayer. We're going to talk about that more in just a minute. But I wanted to point out simply is that this brings us back to the gospel. When you ask people what the gospel is today, you get lots of different things. You know, What is the gospel? People say, well, the gospel is God's love. Or the gospel is God's power. Or the gospel is keeping God's commands. The gospel is being a good person. I've heard people say all kinds of things that never get to the core issue of the gospel. The core issue of the gospel is this, that lost sinners like you and me are offered the free gift of forgiveness of all of our sins through faith in Jesus Christ. That's the key issue in the gospel. So every time we pray this prayer, we're rehearsing again the fact that we are broken people, that we have made our own mistakes, that we have hurt others, that we have done things that have offended others. Every time we pray this prayer, we are reminded that in the midst of all of our sins that we've come before God with, He has wiped the slate clean. Aren't you glad? And every time we come to the, to the Lord, He wants us to remember that our sins have been forgiven. If we know Christ, remember he's teaching disciples, he's teaching followers, this is how you pray. There ought to be a daily reminder, oh yeah, that's right, I'm forgiven in full. You see, when you really don't understand your own forgiveness, you have a hard time forgiving others. When you don't understand what God's done in your life and the giant heap of sin that God has removed from your life, when you don't really see that, 
The way you look at others is judgmentally. You become pharisaical, and we've all done that. We become so, oh, you shouldn't be doing this, and this is terrible the way you're living your life. And we forget the life from which we've come that God has forgiven us. There's always someone that wants to disagree with the assertion that he or she is a sinner. Listen, just ask the person with whom you're married, and you'll find out if you're a sinner or not, if you have the nerve to do so. I mean, look at the person next to you right now. Just take a look. They're sinners. Tell them. They're sinners. Now, we, okay, that's enough. We, you, I saw someone back there really going for it. Anyway, we're all sinners. All of us are sinners. All of us are broken people. And like the saying says, hurt people hurt people. And until you get healed, until you see the healing that God alone can give to you, you're going to keep hurting other people. Ecclesiastes 7.20 says, There's not a righteous man on earth who does what is right and never sins. That's a great verse. There's not a righteous man on earth that does right and never sins. Proverbs 20 verse 9 says, Who can say, I have kept my heart pure, I am clean and without sin? The answer, no one. 1 John 1 8, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. The Bible is clear. We're all sinners. But here's the beautiful truth. In Christ, our sins are forgiven. Hallelujah. We cry out with the psalmist, Psalm 32, 1 and 2. Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him, and whose spirit is no deceit. So I want to point out right up at the top of the message that this petition should take us back every time. And this is why we should pray this way. Every time there should be an awareness of the fact that God has forgiven us and we come to him as, as a reminder of our forgiveness before him. We pray this prayer as believers. We can't help but to remember it's a cue that reminds us of our con- conversion and our following Christ. But here's the second thing. Not only is there a cue in view, there's a cleansing in view. Say that with me. There's a cleansing in view. Now, I've already said it, but I'm going to say it again. The petition brings us to our need for daily re- renewal, maybe moment-by-moment moment renewal. Getting close to God in prayer begins with admitting our spiritual need for daily cleansing. And the Scriptures talk about this. I love how the writer of Hebrews says, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. This is Hebrews 4.15. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, and yet was without sin. So we come into this daily petition before the Lord. 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Now, by the way, uh, let's get into a little bit of a technicality here in this petition. Some of your translations use the word trespass. Some use the word debt. Uh, If you want to be really stringent about the Greek text here, the word is literally debt. Okay, so let's just put that out there. The word is debt, not trespasses. However, down in verse 14 and 15, and by the way, this is the only place Jesus finishes how to teach the disciples how to pray. And then he says, look at verse 14. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your, excuse me, for if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Jesus gives an addendum 
to this prayer. I think that that's highly significant. It's as if when you teach us to pray, Jesus teaches them how to pray, and, and, and then at the end of that, he says, and by the way, let's come back and talk about this forgiveness thing one more time. Because you're going to have a problem with this, I guarantee it. And let me just be really clear, Jesus said, to the degree that you understand your forgiveness will be the way you forgive others. And if you don't have a forgiving heart, you're not a kingdom bearer, and you may not be related to the king. This is a daily reminder to us that we are broken people and that we need to be forgiven. The word debt here, it's interesting, three Greek words that can be translated as debt or sin or trespass. And here the word is debt. It's the idea of uh, typically a financial debt. And we can, we can owe things to God financially. You know, we can withhold our tithe. We can withhold resources that God has put in our hands. Some of us, the book of Malachi talks about, we can rob God with our tithes. Maybe Matthew had that in mind. I, I don't know. Luke's version of this prayer uses the word harmartia, the word that literally means to miss the mark of God's perfection. And whether you say debt or trespass or or sin, whichever way you use that word, and I think they could all be used interchangeably, a little bit technical here, Matthew and Luke share probably a common source because there are things common to Matthew and Luke's gospel that are not found in the gospel of Mark or in the gospel of of John. And so scholars believe that there was a source, they call it Q, which is short for the German word QL, which means source, primary source, that there was a common source that Matthew and Luke used in terms of the sayings of Christ that were written down. And so why would Luke use the word harmartia and, and Matthew here using the word ophelamata? Uh, why would he use those words? Well, we don't really know. Uh, maybe Luke just wanted a shortened version and he knew the point was we all fall short, we all come up short, It's easy when you think about these three terms. Listen, to sin against God is to miss the mark of his perfection or holiness, to come up short. To trespass against him is to go where we have no business going, like when we become the judge rather than letting God be the judge. When you judge others, you're taking God's place. That's trespassing. You ever been on someone's property that you shouldn't be there? I got arrested once for trespassing. I'm just admitting some of my sins this morning. And, you know, the judge threw it all out because there was about 250 other people that had done the same thing. And he said, if you guys ever do this again, I was fishing on a lake that I shouldn't have been fishing on. And, and uh, you know, so anyway, just a little bit of little background in my life. Um, <laughs> when we try to control our lives apart from him as our sovereign leader, we're, we're trespassing into zones that we have no business going in. When we withhold what is rightly due him, when, such as our full surrender or worship or our money or our time, then we could say we are debtors to God. Uh, when we miss the mark of God's perfection in our moral life, whether in thought, action, or deed, we miss the mark, harmartia, we sin against God. And watch this, we sin, we trespass, we have debt before God. And watch this, we do this with others too. We go where we shouldn't go with others. We, we miss... We miss things that would, instead, build them up. We tear them down. We, we are so good at hurting others. And Jesus wants us to remember the whole idea here is to first come before God. God, I need daily cleansing in my life. Not weekly, daily. And could I just say maybe hourly. We should remember 
when we've transgressed, when we've quenched the Holy Spirit, words we've spoken to loved ones, things that were nasty or mean or cruel or without thought, we should quickly say, forgive us, forgive me my sins. Ken Hemphill in his book, The Prayer of Jesus, states this way. He says, the time we spend in debt to God is time we spend away from him. And the time we spend away from God is time we waste forever. Wow. Have you confessed your sins, agreeing with God, something you have said, something you have done is not in alignment with God, and that God has ultimately pardoned us from all of our sins? Beautiful reminder. I see in this petition there's a cue in view. There's a cleansing in view. Thirdly, if you're taking notes, there's a conviction in view. Say it with me. There's a conviction in view. Praying this way is believing that God does forgive and more that you are forgiven. Jesus wouldn't have led us into this prayer in some vain hope that God would actually forgive. I've met many believers who are still wallowing around in guilt over things they've done in the past. They're not walking in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad for his grace? Aren't you glad that the past is the past? And the past might be as, freak, as, as recent as two minutes ago. Or it might be two years ago or 20 years ago. But when you come to Christ and giving him your life, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, complete, total forgiveness. I love the prophet Isaiah, God speaking through him. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be white as snow. Though they be red as crimson, they will be as wool. Psalm 103, verse 12, one of my favorites. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. How far is that? Can anybody tell me? Isaiah 43, 25. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. Listen, God is the only one who supernaturally can remember our sins no more. And God is infinite in knowledge. We don't forget. God chooses to forget. Wow, that's amazing to me. Forgiveness isn't something so that we can feel better about ourselves. It's so that we can be united with Christ. He forgives us for our, not for our sake, but for his sake, so that we can come into his presence. Some of us have a difficult time forgiving ourselves. And we can't forgive ourselves, it's hard to forgive others. We carry the weight around, we blame, we accuse, we hurl abuse at the loved ones that are near us. Carl Menninger, a great psychologist, once said that if he could convince the patients in his psychiatric hospitals that their sins really were forgiven, he said 75% of them would walk out the door the next day. What does this say? It says that when we harbor resentments, when we harbor unforgiveness, we're killing ourselves. You know, disease and heart failure and all these things experts and medical experts are telling us is often attributed to bitterness and a lack of forgiveness in our lives. I mean, wouldn't it be great? Think about it this way. I read this list last week. I thought this was really cute. Wouldn't it be great if harboring resentment and unforgiveness burned fat calories or something like that? (laughs) I mean, if it was something positive, but no, it's always negative. Coronary disease, heart failure, stress, aneurysms, whatever. People, high blood pressure. 
So there's a cue in view, remembering where God has taken you. There's a cleansing in view, daily spiritual renewal. There's a conviction in view. God, I believe that you will and that you do forgive. If you're taking notes, here's a fourth thing I see in this thing. I see in, the, in this a view, I see that there's a catch in view. <laughs> now, you knew I was coming to this. Jesus said in the phrase, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Oops. Everything was going well until we stop and look at this part of the petition. Augustine, one of the great church fathers, said this, he called this the terrible petition. And I think I know why. Because you have to come to face the issue of how you've treated others around, around you. Here's what I believe Jesus has in mind here. I believe he's telling us that part of our prayer life needs to revolve around realizing and remembering that we have our own issue with cleansing. And watch this. We have our own issue with forgiving. Is there anyone in your life today that you have decided you're not going to forgive? Is there anybody in your life that you've said, you know, I, I can't quite release them. It's, what they've done is just way too egregious. Then you really don't understand what God has done in forgiving you, to be honest. A person that holds that kind of grudge doesn't, re- doesn't fully realize the depth of God's forgiveness in their own heart. The parable of the unmerciful servant that Matthew records in his gospel. Remember Matthew 18? Just turn there. You're in Matthew 6, just a few pages over. Remember, Peter comes to Jesus. Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven. Boy, Peter's being really liberal there. Seven times, Lord. Jesus answers, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. Some of your translations are 70 times seven. An infinite, hyperbolic way of saying an infinite amount of times we should forgive. Then he tells this parable, and the king of the kingdom wanted to settle accounts with his servants. Verse 24, he begins the settlement, and he finds someone that owed him a heap of cash. And he decides, the guy falls down before him, he be patient with me, he begged, I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. Wow. Can you imagine? What is the biggest debt you've ever had forgiven? I don't know. I, I, and instantly I think of a monetary debt where our firstborn was born, the doctor promised that we wouldn't have a C-section and we weren't insured in the hospital where he was delivering and guess what, my wife had a C-section on our first child, Katie. And the bill was, I don't know, back then it was the 1980s, it was like $10, no anyway, it was like, <laughs> it was, I don't know, $30,000, something like that. And I remember the doctor coming in to the area two days, at, just before we are getting ready to leave the hospital, and he says, hey, I talked to the admin, talked to everybody there, this debt is forgiven. <laughs> Little cross right over it. Oh, thank you, Lord. Because I was afraid we'd have to leave Katie at the hospital and just move on with our life. <laughs> so that's, that's the biggest monetary debt, but I've had other debts, you know, forgiven in my life. But what about emotional debts, spiritual debts? So here this guy, he's got this huge heap of cash that he's forgiven, and then he goes out, and on his way, he's just whistling Dixie. He's all excited, and he sees this guy that owes him 20 bucks or whatever, just a little cheap nothing. And he goes, hey, you owe me money. And the parable, Jesus telling a story, he grabs him, starts choking him. The fellow servant fell on his knees, begged him, verse 29, be patient with me, I'll pay you back. Sound familiar? Same thing. 
Verse 30, but he refused and said he went off and had the man thrown in prison until he could pay the debt. This is what happened back in those days. You had a debt you couldn't pay, you actually served time, and you paid off during that time. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed. They went to their master and told everything that happened. Uh-oh. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said, I canceled all the debt that was yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. I think that guy was probably regretting the 20 bucks that he's tried to get back at that point, don't you think? Verse 34, this is how my heavenly Father would treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from the heart. Now, I don't know. I don't know of any harder sayings in the gospel than that. You got resentments against people? Jesus said, I can heal that resentment when you see what I want to do in your life. When you see how I can forgive your life, I'll heal that resentment in you, but you got to trust that I'm going to clean you up first. And there's some people here in a crowd this size today, there are people that are harboring resentments. Someone did something to you 20 years ago, 10 years ago, 5 years ago, last year, last month, and you held on to that, you're bitter toward them, you won't talk to them, you won't, you won't be in any social context with them, you've decided to write them off. And Jesus said, hmm, how's my forgiveness going in your heart? Now, it needs to be pointed out it's timely that I point this out. There's a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. If you have been abused, if you had a marriage that has gone south because of immorality, the Bible is not suggesting that you just sort of forgive and move on as if nothing happened. There's a, that's reconciliation. Forgiveness is commanded. There's no option. If you're a Christ follower, you have zero option but to forgive. Are you following? But reconciliation... There's a lot of things that, that are dependent on reconciliation. A pathway of trust, integrity, honesty. Um, there are difficult relationships that remain difficult because someone decides they just want everything to be the way it used to be, but they're not willing to change. Forgiveness should remain soft. It should remain always. Yes, I forgive. Yes, I love. But reconciliation, we've got to work that out. Happens in the body of Christ too. Sometimes people, th they confuse those two things. If I'm forgiven, that means we should just go back to the way it used to be. Well, sometimes that's the way it works. But on the 10th time or whatever, then you've got to kind of work through a reconciliation plan. Now, if you're having trouble with that, we can talk to you. Pastors can help you with that. I know some of us are just kind of stuck on that issue. Forgiveness is a matter of the heart. If you're still looking at people with bitterness and resentment, you've got a forgiveness issue. If you're using your mind the way God gave it to you and you're wanting to reconcile appropriately, then there are some things that need to happen if it's a relational issue for that reconciliation to take place. I'm just trying to be as clear as I can in scripturally talking about this. Reconciliation takes time. Forgiveness needs to be instant and immediate. So here we are. Is there a need to forgive someone in your life today? Either get at it or quit praying this prayer. Well, I can't really tell you to do that. But I guess if you're going to pray this prayer, if I'm going to pray this prayer, we need to stop resisting the Holy Spirit and do something positive, do something biblical. Frederick Buchner puts it this way, a very clever writer. He says this, To forgive someone is to say one way or another, Listen, you've done something unspeakable, and by all rights I should call it quits between us. However, Although I make no guarantees that I'll be able to forget what you have done and through, 
And though we may both carry the scars for life, I refuse to let it stand between us. I still want you to be my friend. Now, there's, there's people in our lives that need that kind of statement. Who needs that in your life? There's a cue in view. There's a cleansing in view. There's a conviction in view. There's a catch in view. And lastly, there's a calling in view. It struck me that Jesus was getting, what Jesus was getting at here is more missional than I first recognized. I mean, think about it. He's coming to his people, the church, and he's saying, this is what you ought to be known for. You ought to be known for forgiveness. Now, if you just took an inventory of the people in our community about the likelihood and the relevance to Christians really forgiving each other and forgiving those that have wronged them, you might find that there's a suspicion about people in our culture that we are really all that forgiving as a people. And yet we look around and Eden's damage is everywhere. There's just carnage, bodies. I mean, how many people did we kill this last week with our thoughts? Remember Jesus said, if you say, if you have hatred in your heart for somebody, it's the same as murder. So just because you haven't literally murdered somebody, don't feel like you're all that great. Because if you thought it, so then you have to think, okay, how many people, yeah, I murdered that guy on 880 last week when he cut over me. I, how many murders this past week? How many lustings? How many false intentions for the sake of appearance? How many ways did we quench the spirit of the living God? with our words, with our attitudes, with our actions. And how do, we, how do we get out of this damage of Eden? Here's how we get out of it. We trust the forgiveness of Christ. We embrace his mercy. We welcome it to our hearts. And then we give it away. We give it away. Because we have been so graciously treated, beloved. We will graciously treat others. We will choose not to harbor resentments. Oh, there may need to be a pathway of reconciliation that the other party may not be interested in, but we've got to stop being bitter and through with people. We've got to love them. We've got to forgive them. And I don't know, someone here today, maybe that's needed in your marriage. Maybe that's needed in your relationship with one of your kids or with a parent. Maybe that's needed with a work relationship. Maybe somebody right here. Maybe somebody you can actually see right now. Maybe it's me. I've wronged people. I've hurt people. I didn't mean to. But I've hurt people. I know I have. And so have you. But isn't it great that God says, I forgive you. I, I take this heaping mound of sin of the whole world, and I, I pile it up in one big place. It's called Calvary. And my son Jesus took all that sin, and he died to pay the ransom for all that sin. Don't you think that's something our community needs to know about, beloved? Don't you think that we ought to be called, if there was ever a people that would be called, a people that pardon, don't you think that should be Christians? One of the greatest things you could do this week is to actually let some people off the hook. 
And that might, that might even include financial debts. I don't know. Debt, sin, trespass. You're off the hook. Wow. Now, I don't know. Our prayer room is going to be busy this morning, I think. But you know what? Don't, don't we dare treat this trivially because Jesus didn't. He came back with the addendum. Oh, don't forget, if you don't forgive men of sins, your father won't forgive your sins. Is, is forgiveness, Larry, is forgiveness conditional? Like if I don't forgive, God's not going to forgive me? No, God's always willing to forgive. He's bringing the point up that we're the ones that are not. So be like your father in heaven. Pastor Larry, be like your father in heaven. Church of Neighborhood Church, be like your father in heaven. Let's be a forgiving community. Boy, there's some stuff to wrestle with there. So it all starts with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you know Christ this morning? Has your sins been, have your sins been forgiven? That's where it starts. You can have wholesale forgiveness today. Past, present, future. All sins forgiven. And then daily, oh Lord, just a reminder, Lord, forgive me of my sins as I'm also forgiving those who have sinned against me. Just a reminder. And I have a feeling there'll always be enough material to be reminded of that need. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Jesus, in one sense, we are amazed that this is the way you treat us because we see ourselves. And forgive us, Lord, for thinking at times we deserve to be forgiven because we're so good. Thank you for the truth of the gospel is that even though we were vile, wretched, rebellious, depraved sinners, you graciously, freely offered yourself to pay the penalty for our sins. Oh Lord, I pray that that would just be like a, a fresh, clean spring that we would drink from this morning. And if there's someone here, Lord, that has never experienced the total cleansing, forgiveness that you offer, Lord Jesus, may they right here, right now, acknowledge that as a sinner, they need a Savior, and that Jesus, you are that Savior. And if that's you, my friend, right now, open your heart, believe on Christ. Confess as a sinner, you need a Savior. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved, the Bible says. And if today that is your desire to follow Christ, to follow him, to follow him in the realm of forgiveness, then I want you to slip up your hand right now. Is there anyone this morning coming to Christ, asking Christ to be Lord of your life? Yes, I see those hands. Yes, up in the back. Yes, in the middle there, praise God. In the balcony area this morning, coming to Christ, trusting in Christ, believing that he will forgive and is forgiving your sins right now. To follow him in obedience, to trust him, to be a kingdom bearer. Now for those of us that know Christ this morning, and the Holy Spirit, as only he can, spoke to us in some deep places of our lives, and we know, we know the action point. I want you to slip up your hand. Is there anyone this morning? I just want to pray with those. Yes, lots of hands. Raise them up. Just in your heart this morning, just say to the Lord, yes, Lord, I've heard your voice. Yes. All over this place, in the balcony, yes. Lord Jesus, 
have your way as we continue in a time of worship, Lord. Move us. Some of us, Lord, need to start moving out and go and pray with somebody, Lord, but we need to stand in your presence and we need to see your beauty and your purity and your holiness and your cleansing again for our lives. Thank you, Jesus, for this beautiful prayer. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to hear additional messages or you're interested in finding out more about Neighborhood Church, please visit our website at threecrosses.org. That's the number three, crosses.org.